he is uh, one of my favorite guys, if not my favorite guy to talk ball with. Uh, Eric Lopez joins us. Elo, good morning, man. How's it rolling? It's beautiful. It's mayhem. We are here. It's uh, the best time of year. We've got conference finals in both basketball and hockey, but more importantly, NCAA tournament softball. It's great. I love it. I love it, man. How you been? We haven't talked in a while. Things going well for you? It's busy, but it's been good. It's been fun. It's uh, balancing out the different activities. It's it's not too bad. You're you're a busy guy yourself. Oh, but listen, man. Come on. It's 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 that labor of love, right? Are you doing some NBA now too? Yeah, I've been covering the NBA on the side a little bit, but softball has been the priority this time of year. So, um, you got. Uh, let's start in your wheelhouse here. I just I was texting with Alex Powers this morning, and by the way. Uh, I appreciated your interview with Alex. I thought it was great. We worked the WPF draft together, and I've got to know her a little bit. She's a great person. Um, what What do you think of the regional that you got? I kind of think there's a chance you might you might pull off an upset or two out there, Eric. What do you make of the Tallahassee regional? Well, I think it's a stacked regional. I think it's one of the toughest regionals out there. I mean, if I'm Lonnie Alameda, I'm not thrilled. Uh, you get South Carolina, who's had a great run to the SEC championship game. Uh, with the great pitching they've gotten. And, and yeah, I think we're, you know, UCF's played 120 of the last 21 games going into the NCAA tournament. And, uh, Florida State with Catherine Sandercock. UCF's got Sarah Willis, a rising star. So I expect pitching to be the theme in Tallahassee. And yeah, I mean, Florida State obviously is trying to regroup, uh, rebound after last year when they were upset by Mississippi State in the regional. So that, that's good. Plenty of storylines there in Tallahassee. So. The other big storyline is one that I still don't know if I've got an answer that makes sense to me. Alabama and the unknown of Montana Fouts being a five, Oklahoma State leaking oil down the stretch being a six. I mean, what what have you been able in your, your bracketology mind and all the work you do, Eric, in breaking down the brackets? What Has it made sense to you over time? No. No, the Alabama one in particular still makes no sense to me. I still can't come up with what is going on there. The Oklahoma State one, I had a feeling this was going to come down to a collision of metrics versus eye test. The metrics, if you look at Oklahoma State's resume, hey, you can make a case they should be top eight. But if you've watched Oklahoma State the last few weeks, nobody would make that argument. Nobody would make that case for the top eight. And I think that's one of the disappointing things this year about this year's committee, uh, Chris, is – I don't think there was a lot of eye test today. I don't think a lot of people watched games. I think a lot of people went with a piece of paper. Um, one thing that's you know irritating is a team can finish terrible and not get punished. And I think we saw that with Oklahoma State. The Alabama thing is just outrageous. I think it's one of the worst seedings in the 16 years I've done this stuff. Why would have nobody like common sense has to take over at some point, Chris? At no point. In, not even an Alabama fan at any point this year said, hey, you know, we're one of the top five teams in the country. Right. It doesn't exist. I laughed. Um, who had teased Tom Canterbury. said, all right, well, prepare yourself, Bama fans. And when they dropped at five, he's like, I kind of like this seating process. Sir, and again, he's being tongue-in-cheek, but there, there has to be like a quotient from the unknown, right? Montana Fouts, we don't know, Eric, and then – I thought it was a little bit confusing when the selection committee chairs said, well, they've got good wins over Tennessee and they've got good wins over um, Auburn. I'm like, yeah, and then they lost the series. So does it matter if you win series anymore? Is it just you got to win one game in that series to to impress the committee? That's where I'm just I'm perplexed by this. 
Well, and what makes no sense is they use the top 10, like, hey, they have all these top 10 wins and top 25 wins. And I'm like, so does Baylor. Right. So why, what's the difference? <laughs> like, what, what are we doing? Um, I, I don't get it. I, I'm baffled <laughs> completely. Uh, what's, hey, uh, just real quick, because I got to admit, I that, that's been the one that really shocked me. But was there anything else that really kind of took you back as to uh, a regional, how it was set up, or maybe a seating that seemed to be off to you? So – I missed one regional. I had Louisiana hosting. I did not have Clemson hosting. Ah. Uh, obviously, Utah, and let's shout out to our uh, DJ Gasso, Paige Parker. They're part of the Amy Hoke staff at Utah. They've done an incredible job winning the Pac-12 tournament, so props to them. But to me, what was hilarious is they. I think Utah winning the Pac-12 tournament cost Louisiana the host. If you look, Chris, very closely at the Salt Lake Regional, the two seed is Baylor. The three seed is Old Miss. What do they have in common, Chris? Well, power five conferences? Is there What am I missing? There's something deeper, right? Big wins non-conference? There are two schools that are under 400 miles away from Lafayette, Louisiana. Oh, the bus rule. They flipped them. They flipped Utah and Louisiana. That's what they did. Utah was going to go to LSU. I think they were going to have Louisiana host. And then when Utah won, they flipped it at the last minute. See, I knew, I knew I should have listened to this episode of the In the Circle podcast. Uh, they got seated. We're uh, they're a what seed? It's available for download. I can't believe I missed this earlier this week. Uh, Victor Anderson, of course, our buddy who joins us now. Eric Lopez are great. All right. So when you think about who really got a tough regional, I think we you hit it on the head, man. Florida State they got a tough regional. My. Um, I, I think most fans look at Alabama and say, oh, look how easy the regional is. They didn't even get a Power 5 team. But in both of the – but who is it? Uh, Charlotte and uh, Central Arkansas and the teams that are going there, Eric, that's a tough regional, isn't it? Yeah, Central Arkansas is a team that has two aces in Beaver and jo- Jordan Johnson. they got good arms, timely hitting. And, again, as you've brought up, if Mon- we don't know what Montana Fouts' status is. And I don't – if she doesn't pitch, they could be beaten. Uh, so I think Central Arkansas could definitely push Art Alabama, especially if Fouts is out. Uh, I think I think Salt Lake is a tough regional with mm. Baylor and you know Ole Miss going there with Utah hosting. Does Utah carry that momentum? We'll see. Uh, I think Utah's a dangerous team. I mean, I think from an Oklahoma standpoint, you got you're fortunate and you didn't get Utah. I think Utah could have pushed you. Uh, I agree. Gasso and DJ and Pate, they know how Oklahoma works. So I, I think that would have been interesting. Not that Clemson could be a pushover because Valerie Cagle is a great player. By the way, they seem to like to put Oklahoma and national top player contenders in the yeah. Supers paired up, it seems like. Where we had Gabby play, right, two years yeah. we had to deal with, and now potentially uh, Valerie Cagle, although Clemson's got to get through Auburn with Matty Penta. So it looks like, assuming Oklahoma gets past the regional, you're going to get an ace, uh, either the SEC Pitcher of the Year or the AC or an ACC Player of the Year, Cagle or Penta yeah. in the Super Regional. By the way, you guys got your own little storyline there with Missouri and Hofstra in the same <laughs> regional. Larissa Anderson was the former head coach at Hofstra, left to go to Missouri. Now they're in the same regional, so they could be playing them each other uh, in your regional. There's a little, little tidbit for you. I there. like that. I hadn't dug deep enough to remember that. By the way, I just made a mistake. I said Charlotte and Tuscaloosa. I apologize. Charlotte's in Durham, Middle Tennessee, who actually beat UNT to get yeah. into the tournament, is there in Tuscaloosa. All right, well, let's, you, you hit on it. Let's, Obviously, a lot of Sooner fans here, they want to know about the path. They want to know about the run. Eric, obviously, I'm way too close to this. But as you kind of look back 
Uh, what's impressed you about Oklahoma, and where do you see the differences in 23 and that 22 team? Pitching. I've, I've said it from day one. I remember I talked to Coach Fatty Gasso before the year. Uh, this team was going to uh, – identity was its pitching. As great as the offense is, it's still a great offense. It's not as good as last year because, well, you don't have a Jocelyn Allo. It's, right. it's, it's tough to be good when you don't have the greatest hitter ever. But what they do have is three aces this year with Storocco – you got Jordy Ball healthy, and then Nicole May, who's probably had the best year of her career. Uh, this is the staff. I mean, you have to, they're almost perfect. Like, it's, a, it's almost shock when they give up runs. So, with that deep of a pitching staff, it's going to be tough to beat Oklahoma from that standpoint. They have great defense, and they still have good score runs. That's the thing that's impressed me, though, is this arms. This might be the best. I mean, I'll defer to you, Chris, but this might be the best staff that they've had here in a handful of years from a depth and quality standpoint. Um, that's why they're the overwhelming favorite. But it is interesting, the trend now, the last couple of few years, is they get power five. You guys get power five teams in the regionals. Last year you had Minnesota and A&M. You know, a couple of years you had a top 25 Wichita team. So the committee's trying to not just – they're trying to give you a tough regional each year. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, Cal's an interesting case study with what they were able to do and then not do so far this year. Where, um, where do you then come out on – the continued growth of competitiveness and seeing that a James Madison made a run a couple years ago, UCF hosting a, a, a regional, seeing those opportunities now in front of us for Wichita State, even though they're leaking oil a little bit down the stretch in UCF. But are we getting more parity across the sport? Yeah, I definitely think we're getting more parity in the sport. I think uh, when you look at teams like a Louisiana, I think that's a team that can make a run to the World Series. I think actually in a weird way, they're kind of they – they're, they're treating not make, uh, hosting but feel they have a better path to yeah. Oklahoma City than they would have because if they were hosting, they'd be a 15 or a 16. They would have to run into Oklahoma or UCLA in the Super. So I think there's still parity. But uh, when you look at the top, I think Oklahoma's the top team. Everybody's chasing them. The question is, can a UCLA or Florida State make up that ground? I think – uh, that's the question, but I think across the board there is definitely a lot of parity. I think I would not be surprised if we see a ton of upsets in these regionals across the board, like we saw last year when we yeah. kind of the tournament kind of imploded. And you had an Arizona and Oregon State all make the World Series. It wouldn't shock me. We see something similar to that this year. Isn't it? It's funny you, you bring up Arizona, and I was um, I think I was talking to Coach about it, and I'm like, man, just what happened right there? And she looked at me. She goes, Well, they did go to the World Series last year, and you're like, Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, my, Mike Kendrea retires and we're like, oh, no, what's going on? They go to the World Series the first year that he's retired. But, you know, it's it's the first time we haven't seen Arizona or Arizona State. I think it's, what, 83 the first time since neither one of those schools are there. So I, I don't think they're just going to rest on their laurels and say things are going to be okay down at Arizona right now. They're going to be. Well, what about the fact this is the first ever tournament? No Arizona, no Michigan. Oh, Michigan. I didn't think about that. I mean, two oh. powerhouses. I think that proves the point about parity there. Uh, right there, and obviously both have in common. Obviously, uh, coaches were replacing legendary coaches, some young rosters. I mean, Arizona made the World Series last year, but they were one of the last teams in the field last True. year as well. So they just got, you know, it's kind of a transitional period for both Arizona and Michigan Pro. But that's, to me, the, the sign that we have this parity when you have two powerhouses like that not make the, the NCAA tournament. And nobody blanked it eye. Nobody, you know, it's funny for all the criticism that the committee got over the, the Sunday night, not one of them, not one person said, hey, I think Arizona or Michigan should be it. Nobody, nobody <laughs> even blinked. <laughs> That's right. There's a, the, I think what the one school that kind of started to complain a little bit 
uh, was Fullerton, and then boom, they show up. You're like, oh, hey, look, Fullerton. That was weird, wasn't it? Like, well, that was bizarre because I think everybody, I mean, just like I did, I, I assume when you saw the UCLA and Stanford <laughs> regional pass, yeah, you're assuming you're done. And then out of nowhere, they show up in the last bracket at Clemson. I hope they didn't turn off the TV, like, because I would have if I was Fullerton. Um, that was fairly bizarre. Liberty going to UCLA was bizarre. Weird. Um, yeah. I don't understand that. They're not consistent with the 400-mile radius. I'm going to give you this prediction, Chris. Go ahead. My prediction is a year from now, and I've talked about this on the podcast, and I've talked to even Kelly Goward, the committee chairwoman. I had her on the podcast a few months ago. I think we're going to go to 32 seats next year. I think we're going from 16 to 32. Uh, I think there's too much mystery about why is this team seated here, where is it, why is this team there. They tried that in volleyball and women's soccer this past fall. Apparently, it got a lot of positive feedback. The committee has passed that recommendation to the NCAA. I would not be surprised if you see softball and baseball go to 32 seats next year. So explain that to me like I'm five, Eric. What will that mean? Will that mean then we'll have more teams in the tournament or no? Well, no, what it means okay. is it will be le- it will be less predictable, actually. It'll make oh, okay. my job harder in that <laughs> it, it, it would eliminate, for example, hey, let's bust – Team A to Team B as the two seed there. Now gotcha. you actually, actually have to seed it, so you can't just depend on geography. So in other words, you know, Oklahoma, I'll use the example, they're the number one seed, you're going to pair them up with the 32nd seed. Gotcha. Or if they do what the, they could do it where each regional is a top eight seeds, you would pair them up with the eight seed regardless of geography. In other words, you wouldn't just put Wichita State because of the bus you would literally have to put the 32 seats. So the bus would Mm. somewhat be out of the equation in the top 32 seats and only be applied for the three seats and the four seats. So you would create more balance in a regional. So like Tennessee, for example, doesn't automatically get an Indiana because they can bust there, or Florida State get a UCF and an SEC team that could bust there. It actually would be more balanced. That's the goal. We go make 32 seats. Let's do it. Uh, Texas isn't always going to get Texas State or Texas exactly. <laughs> because they're right. close. Or A&M, right. right. Texas, Texas A&M is another example. Clemson and Auburn, another example of that. Because what happens is it creates imbalance. Look at Duke. Duke's got Charlotte as a two, Campbell as a three. No disrespect to those schools, but Duke has by far the easiest regional of the top 16. It's, it, it doesn't make any sense that Duke, who's an eight seed, has an easier regional than the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. It makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. Okay, you got time for two quick ones before I let yeah. you go? Okay, give me, give, me a sh- give me a shot. Give me a team that you think could come out and surprise. I think Louisiana can. I think Louisiana, if they win that Baton Rouge regional, I think the winner of that could upset Washington and get to the World Series uh, from that standpoint. Obviously, Stillwater is fascinating. You've got Oklahoma State that has fallen apart. And Wichita State, if they can regroup, they've beaten Oklahoma State twice. I think that's a trendy pick that a lot of people like. Fayetteville, Arkansas has got a tough regional. Young team with Oregon. Missy Lombardi going back to Arkansas for a second straight year. I mean, that's one to watch as well. I think we're going to see some upsets here uh, in this regional round. I think those are a couple of ones that stands out uh, to me that, that jumps out. And I think Auburn could beat Clemson with Matt, you know, Penta. I, I would not be surprised, Chris, I if you guys either. win the regional, you have to deal with Matty Penta and Auburn and Mickey Dean uh, in the Super Regionals. I think that's one to watch if you're a Sooner fan. Uh, there, Even Fullerton has been quality team. That's a stacked regional there in Clemson. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. So, I think those are a few. I don't know if that's what if that answers oh, that question. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. How about this one? Then the the opposite. 
who could disappoint? Who do you look at and say, mm, we might not be seeing them play in the Supers? Ooh, uh, I would say, you know, Florida State. I was going to say. If they win the regional, may have to deal with Georgia in yeah. the Supers. That is tough. I mean, they, they have a brutal, brutal uh, draw. And then Tennessee, this has got to be the year for Karen Wickley and company with Ashley Rogers and Tennessee. This is the year they've got to make it to the World Series, but they may run into Texas in the Super Regionals. Ah, good stuff. Elo, you're the man. I always appreciate your time. We'll talk to you again soon, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in Oklahoma City here in a few weeks. Anytime, Chris. Thanks. See you, brother. Eric Lopez. All right, that was a lot. Softball reaction. Let's go. The Knippenmeyer Chevrolet text line has been way too slow today, so get after it. 405-651-3439. It's the Plank Show. Had you uh, had you heard Elo before? Had you talked to him before? It's been a while. Yes, okay. we've had him. Yeah. I've oh yeah. Sir, I act like this is the first time you've ever filled in on the show. <laughs> Connor, radio your thoughts. <laughs> um, Oklahoma, by the way, is back on top in the Norman Regional. Yeah, we've had some people on the text line ask about some updates. For I'm golf. I, yeah, I apologize. We've we've been going guest free, our guest heavy here for the last hour, but the Sooners are eleven under as a team. Through six, uh, well, one group, six, seven, eight, nine so far. Um, they now lead the Norman Regional by two shots over Alabama. Oh, well, man, here you go. Yeah, another swing. <laughs> Sooners drop a stroke. We're now tied up at the top spot at 23 under with Alabama. But again, uh, you, you want to win your Norman Regional. You want another trophy. But you are 14 shots clear of the cut line. So you're, and in fact, as far as the cut line is concerned, there might not be too much drama. You know what I want to do? Oh, look at UAPB. I want to go walk around with Arkansas Pine Bluff just so I can see guys whose games may mimic mine. I'm like, right. ah, here you go, buddy. How did you get here? How'd you get here? <laughs> Let's go. But Alabama and Oklahoma knotted up right now, both at 23 under for the tournament. The Sooners are 10-under on the day. Alabama, 8-under on the day. Uh, it's probably maybe one of the better days for scoring. A little softer. Had a didn't had really have, rain yesterday. Had a little rain, rain last night, so you're good to go. Good to go. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll keep tabs on that. And thanks so much to Eric Lopez for joining us. Um, I, I cannot suggest Eric's podcast enough. It's the In the Circle podcast, him and Victor – it's, they're year-round, and they cover every aspect of college softball. You know, I'm a homer. I'm just about D1. I'm just about OU. And usually, you know, what's going on in the Power Five conferences and a handful of group of fives. But uh, Eric and Victor do a great job. They cover the whole gamut. I didn't know the radius rule for the regional setups you know, for teams. Oh, okay. Let's, let's go through that because I do think – I do think that there is some clarification because I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm still not 100% understanding as far as the 400-mile radius for for college softball. And it's funny because I've I I guess it's just never kind of registered with me like I was I was talking with Oh, gosh, why did I just blank on the name of the tech? Oh, Andrew Hines. And I was talking to you know, Andrew Haynes, excuse me. Andrew Hines is our guy. He's our guy. I'll eventually get there, don't worry. But um, Andrew, whenever he came by, I'm like, hey, man, um, great run. What You guys got a fun young team, should be excited. And 
I see. I, I said, what do you expect for your regional, man? He goes, uh, you know, A&M and Texas State, same stuff over and over. And even at that time, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's right. I can completely and totally forgot that pretty much it's the same team every year. And if if Wichita State wasn't much much better, I don't necessarily know if that would have been a situation where Wichita State would have ended up in Norman like they typically do. Yeah, some of it makes sense with two two or three teams staying in state, but then you got some that have to make a pretty good trip. Yeah, it's just Hofstra and Cal. Well, I mean, that's not really easy getting Oklahoma. But, but here's the thing: you have this 400 mile radius rule, and yet then you're sending Liberty to UCLA, and then you're sending you're sending Hofstra here to Oklahoma, and where did UMBC go to Stillwater? I mean, it's just it doesn't. That doesn't make any sense whenever you – it's like, wait, so we're going to have this rule for certain seeds, but probably not for the seeds that, you know, you would have to spend the most money sending right. places. So I don't, it's never made any sense like to Baylor, me. Baylor, Ole Miss, and Southern Illinois. I don't know if they're somewhat close to Utah. Um, well, Eric said it's 400 miles. It literally huh. is right inside. So his theory was that uh, ULL was going to host there and Utah would be in the other spot. Had they ended up losing the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve tournament, he might be right. Might be right. But yeah, the the softball seeding one through thirty two. Someone had sent us a text on that yesterday, and it, it hadn't even registered to me that that um, what what sport did he say? Volleyball. That volleyball even does the one through thirty two. And not gonna lie, probably haven't been sitting around on Selection Sunday for volleyball and. Nor is it, you know, a topic that we talk about as much as we do say diamond sports. But fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff. And that was Eric Lopez. Uh, give him a, fo- uh, a following uh, on Twitter. Here, okay, a couple of texts from the. Th- well, hold on. What time is it? My goal is to stay on the clock today. <laughs> right at ten thirty. Mm, this is tough. It's tough. All right, let me read this one from Frisco sooner. Then we'll grab a break and get the rest of them. Frisco sooner writes, Plank, Connor. I'm saying this because I'm not sure how this plays out in softball. But did I hear you guys just talking about Jada Coleman playing shortstop? What am I missing here? Isn't she left-handed? Exactly. Yeah, she's left-handed. She's a left-handed shortstop. I mean, she that's what she was recruited as. That's what she was going to play. That's what she wanted to be in the Women's College World Series was the first ever left-handed shortstop. I'm telling you right now, Frisco Sooner, it's not going to make a lot of sense to baseball purist or softball purist, but she is – go watch the video. There's videos out there on YouTube of her playing shortstop with, like, the Texas glory and the colony. It is as smooth as any right-handed shortstop you've ever seen. You don't, see, you don't see it You don't see it in baseball, but you can see it in softball. You see softball uh, left-hand catchers too. You're seeing a lot of left-handed catchers in softball. That's, uh, that's never really made a lot of sense to me. But if you – I think it's Jada Coleman shortstop. Yeah. Yeah, just Google up and they've got some highlights of her playing in the um they've got some highlights of her playing in like the PGF championship. She's really good, man. I, I know that this isn't shocking to most people, but you name what she can't do and she'll probably try to go out and prove that she can't. She's so, really good. Someone from the three one six said after a disappointing conference tournament, Wichita State will bounce back and go three for three against OSU. And win the Supers, going all the way to the Women's College World Series. No, that's incorrect. 
Tinker. We, we've had a few people pencil in Wichita State. Yeah. I think Central Arkansas, too. I mean, you have two. You have That's the Kansas regional, people. You got two teams that Kansas has a win over in that Stillwater regional right now. I'm not ready to pencil in anything for Wichita State right now with how they've been leaking oil down the stretch of this season. But you know what? We'll talk about it next. Uh, Air Comfort, or excuse me, Kinnipper uh, Miles Chevrolet text line 405 651 3439. That's 405 651 3439. Riverwind Casino Jackpot line 405 329 9000 or on Twitter. Hit us up at Connor Pasby. I'm at Plank Show. Everybody follow us at KREF Sports. This is the home of Sooner Fan. Someone sent us the exact breakdown slash rundown of the the 400-mile rule institutions required to travel by ground transportation to the site of competition under NCAA travel policies. The following is reimbursable. Teams that are required to drive to the site of competition, the NCA will reimburse a 1,500 bus allotment amount slash per diem per day. Teams that fly to the site of campus, if the camp oh, – there it goes into the details. <laughs> but by the way, I just want to point this out. Do you know what sucks? A 400-mile bus ride. It's like, congratulations, you made the tournament. Now get your backsides on this bus. Yeah, we're not flying. We're driving. 7, 40, 20, 20, 35. It's six six hours minimum. Right? Am I doing my math right? Gosh. So for this, w- would you rather drive or fly? I'd be like, you know what? We're good. We'll just fly. Send us the $1,500 yeah. bus allotment. We'll just we'll put that towards our, our flight. <laughs> right. Thanks. Appreciate <laughs> your help. Gosh. But, again, it's something that – it's something that has been in place for ages whenever it comes to college softball. Uh, so, anyway, I want to go back to the 316 text that you read right before we went to break after disappointing season, our end of the season conference tournament, Wichita State will bounce back and go three of three in the regional. I would love to see it because I think that's a really good team. I was talking about it with big O Jerry Strosky about it the other day. That is not a Wichita State team. I think they played three in Tulsa. Um, and they were doing the games, and he said it's one of the most complete teams I've watched. And Big O knows softball. So I would love I would love to see that be the case. But I just – I don't know, man. When you struggle down the stretch, Tulsa almost beat him at home. They lost to Kansas, and then they lose their first-round conference tournament game. I mean, what – it's that great unknown, right? Whenever we fill out our, our basketball brackets, what do we try to do? Oh, who's playing well? Who's the team that's playing well right now? And you go and you dig through, and maybe you find a team that's been hot down the stretch, but inevitably you look up, and a team that lost in the first round of their conference tournament is playing in the Final Four, and you're like, well, the heck right. happened here? And I think softball's very similar to that. You know, they, last year, Stanford and Mississippi State weren't necessarily cooking coming into the postseason, and the next thing you know, they're you know playing for a spot in the World Series, and you know, somehow Arizona and Oregon State get there. It just doesn't... It doesn't make a lot of sense, man. Wichita State does have some postseason experience now. What helps them out is, man, they're going up against a team that's also struggling really bad sure. as of late. Well, and that's that gets us to this from the uh, from the four hundred five off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, Oklahoma State could win their regional or get beat in two or three games. That's, sir, ma'am, you're a bazillion percent right. I mean, 
just look at the last – I don't need to pull up Oklahoma State's schedule, but just look at how they've lost games. They've really only been kind of schooled by OSOU on the Friday and Sunday games. And, I mean, arguably should have beat Oklahoma in that Saturday game. You know, there's no excuse for for their tech loss. There's no excuse for their Kansas loss. They had control of that game. They committed, what, three seventh-inning errors? Yeah. They had control of the North Texas game early and just kicked the ball all over the place. So they, They've been in every single game, just on the wrong end of it. I, don't, I, I will never, ever truly be able to understand this year's Oklahoma State team because there is a good chance that they could be playing in Oklahoma City with as good as they were early in the season. And there is a good chance they could have to work their way through their own regional in the loser's bracket. It just That's how weird it's been. Uh, I like this from Sean. Sean writes, It still makes economic sense as most programs are still at negative revenue. It's a great point. Softball is not yet a revenue-producing sport. So the NCAA, uh, as much as it, you know, we watch it and we love it and we see the crowds at OU games and we see the crowds in Oklahoma City and you're like, gosh, okay. They deserve more, and you're right. You're a bazillion percent right. But there's not a single one of these teams, maybe outside of Oklahoma, who is close to producing revenue for their university. And OU is close. Yeah, it's not everywhere. It's just, I mean, a few teams. Close. This isn't, you know, this isn't a spot where, you know, you have teams that are making money for their schools hand over fist. So it makes sense on that front. But I mean. If you tell me to get on a bus and ride 400 miles, I'm like, <laughs> why? Why? And then Sean, That's a long trip. For potentially like one game. And then Sean adds to it, volleyball is single elimination. You also get beat, you leave. Your travel cost is less. Men's Hoops pays for it all, or CBS, like all sports except D1 football. Yeah, you're right. And, and women's and men's hoops yeah. kind of under that same umbrella. But I just – I hate it for softball and baseball. Yeah, they just especially maybe specifically and very greedily Oklahoma. They deserve it all. I mean, they absolutely do. And I'm here to tell you, there's not anything I I feel like that I see that they're shorted except being able to travel charter everywhere they go. That's about it. I mean, and do they deserve that? You bet. But it's something that, you know, I think you'll start seeing across the board. Bigger stadiums being built, places charging for admission to get into games where they weren't even charging for admission. I know it costs a little bit more as the fan, but in that same vein, you 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 have to you gotta make money. And there's still a lot of these teams that don't. Oh, here's one from True Sooner that just came in on it real quick. He goes, Loves field uh tickets, uh loves field donor fees required a season tickets. Oh wow. I almost said subscription, but purchase. It looks like it. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta have a subscription <laughs> yeah. to season tickets. Yeah, it's unique. Hey, you wanna you want a donor fee for Love's Field? Buy season tickets. Trust me, you'll have no problem getting rid of those. Spe- tickets. Speaking of tickets, was, was it yesterday or today that they're going out for the regional? Yesterday, just, just, yesterday. W- just whatever is left. Yeah. Oh, do they have any left? I don't know. It's gotta be they, very few. They announced to sell out yesterday. For the Oklahoma ticket allotment, but I haven't seen anything more beyond that. I did see, though, this announcement that um, two things that have taken place here on softball as of, what time is it, 1044 
on this Wednesday morning. Number one, the Home Run Village will indeed be back. So uh, I reached out to our buddy Kelly Collier over at OU to see, hey, what more do you need from us? Seems like they've got things pretty much taken care of. But um, OERB has uh, stepped up, and Home Run Village is back for the 2023 postseason. Fine work for our folks over at Sooner Sports Property. Tickets are sold out for the weekend, but uh, Home Run Village will have that you're there and you're in the midst of it. They're going to have the big screen out. You can bring your chair. They're going to have food trucks, entertainment, things like that. It's going to be a a tailgate party, but yet you get the ambiance of the game without the tickets. It'll It'll be packed. Good for that. Whoever can't get in the game can go to the Home Run Village. Two hours prior to first pitch. So if you want to take your chair out there or your little mini tent or whatever, um, they're going to have a 9 by 16 ANC mobile video board to have all the action live. They'll sync up the radio call. Um, Home Run Village will only be open during the OU games and not entry uh, any of the neutral games. So in other words, uh, Missouri Cal, whenever Hofstra, play, Hofstra plays uh, Cal on Saturday morning and you know, it's just it's not not going to be open. Not going to be open. Fans are encouraged to bring lawn chairs, blankets, for seating to watch the games, and are permitted to bring their own beverages. Oh, did I say tents? I said tents, didn't I? Tents. It's the one thing that's prohibited. <laughs> oh, it is? Yeah. No tents. Hey, don't bring your tents, all right? <laughs> but there. anyway, it's it, it, it's really cool. I hope everyone's going to be a part of it. And then, and then there's this. Oh, you also announced this morning that the seat selection process for Love's Field is uh, is going to begin the week of June 12th. Three priority groups will have the first opportunity to view and select seats. There will be an interactive online field map mirroring the platform used for home seats and the upgrade process for football and men's basketball. Supporters in uh, – well, I kind of cut short there a little bit. All three priority groups will be assigned a time in which they can view available inventory and make selections. The assigned selection time and instructions will be provided via email from a web uh, from the email address updates at go.soonersports.com. Oh, look, the picture has me in it. Let's go. I'm here. I'm here for it. I don't know what face I'm making in the background of that, but <laughs> – Go to Soonersports.com, and you can learn more about the seat selection process. Um, I'm, see, I'm seeing prices for the Love's Field that we oh, just yeah? got in from True Sooner. What's he saying? Oh, don't read him on there. Hold on a second. Let me look at these. It's going to be it's going to be a little bit more expensive. Two fifty yeah. per seat I'm looking at. That's not bad. Home plate, four-top table, dugout, and outfield. Outfield at 300 Outfield seats are going to be pretty tight yeah. from everything yep. that I've been told. That's going to be really cool. Um, they've got a ticket price per seat, a donation price per seat, and then the all-in cost per seat. So, hey, that's part of the reality of of where we are. A right little, little expensive, but it's worth it. <laughs> I like this. I love, love, love OU softball. But Home Run Village sucks for me. You're getting the delayed response to the plays from the video. Other than that, it's great. You'll get, a, you'll get a big reaction in the field, and you're like a split second oh, late. Oh, no. oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there was, I, I think it was Barstool 
was trying to do the, hey, watch it live, and then come to find out their stream was delayed and everyone's reacting in the office. And <laughs> yeah. Like, what's going on? Don't tell us what just happened. Um, and uh, 614, most schools need the reimbursement from the NCAA for travel. Oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not arguing that. I'm yeah, just, they need it. Yeah, I'm, there's no doubt about it. I'm just saying, you know, if, if it was a world where, you know, one of your more high-profile schools was traveling, it'd be like, pfft. Thanks, we're going to fly. Appreciate it. I don't want to spend seven hours in a bus ride. Uh, do you know what press box improvements there will be? I have no idea, dude. I don't know, yeah. No clue. I just, I'm along for the ride. You would think, you would think there would be some, though. For, the, for Love's Field, I, if that's what he's referring to, yeah. then yes, there's going to be. I've been told that there'll be separate booths. But then again, I, uh, I'll find out when you guys find out, and that's what I'm most looking forward to. All right, um, it is, whoa, 1049. Quick break. When we come back, uh, let's get you ready for the top five stories of the day right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I just got asked to do something that I really want to do. I want to be very vague about it. But it's on a date when I've committed to already do something else that I can't back out of. And this one involves a very important person. So I don't want to tell that very important person no. But I also can't tell the other very important person no. Are you allowed to say it? It's, uh, I mean, it's not like some big secret. It's just, I don't, I want to, I've always wanted to be invited to an all staff meeting and I finally got invited to one and I can't, you gotta go. I can't go. <laughs> you can't go. I can't go. It's like, I would, I would love to, I, I, it's all I've ever wanted, but I've been committed to this thing for like a month now. What do I do? Um, I, I said, I would love nothing more. I knew as soon as I was running through this, you're going to ask for something on this date. <laughs> Is there any chance you could move your meeting to later? <laughs> <laughs> Please. Ah. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm sorry, Mackenzie. <laughs> Mackenzie, the chief of staff, her first email that she sends me, I'm like, you think you guys can move that for me? <laughs> How arrogant is that? First time ever get invited. Yeah, we got to move. I have been, I have been dying, I have been dying for an opportunity to go to one of these. <sighs> anyway, uh, welcome back into the Plank Show right here with Josh Helmer, or with Josh Helmer out. That's Connor Pasby. I'm Chris Plank. Uh, I've got so there's so many little things. I, we never got to the ACC thing from yesterday, and then earlier in the show. Um, so I. I'm dying to dive into that. It's in the top five stories of the day, so at least there is that. And we've been chronically and constantly keeping tabs on the update from Golfstat. I want to know what the numbers look like for Golfstat uh, over this weekend for the amount of traffic that they get from people checking college scores. Because really, it's unless you're there, it's the only way that you can keep tra- uh, track of what's going on in the NCAA tournament. OU is tied for the top spot. With Alabama, let me refresh this. Yep. Tied for the top spot with Alabama at 22 under. They're wrapping up the front nine. The Sooners are nine under on the day, seven under for the tournament. Tech is two shots back in third. And let me see, what does the player leaderboard look like right now? Drew Goodman is a shot off the lead. He is two under today. So Drew Goodman is a shot off the lead. Ben Lorenz is two, uh, three shots off the lead. So you have Sooners in second and third. 
And Lorenz is on fire today. He is four under through eight. Goodman is two under through eight. That team's got a chance. Team's got a chance. Playing well, but yeah, that's the only way to check it because I don't know if it's nationally televised. Nah, it's I don't not. think, no. Uh, the 405 asks a question that's been asked a lot today. So we'll wrap up hour two on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line with this. What's the likelihood that times for both the softball and baseball games will be adjusted due to the weather? Well, the last update that we had from Dr. Kevin Clazel was that most of the storms that are kind of concerning for Thursday night might hold off until Friday morning, but we haven't had an update in a while. The timing of that Friday front will determine rain and lightning storm chances, but the expected slow movement of the inbound uh, front would suggest an extended all-day rain risk with localized flooding and lightning strikes possible. Severe, uh, severe storm ingredients like tornadoes are not expected. But we'll see. I don't know how proactive they're going to be on that or maybe more reactive just because of the TV windows and and how that's affected. Well, baseball should be fine Thursday. It's just kind of Friday. Friday, Friday is the major concern weather-wise around here. Saturday and Sunday look great. Friday looks to be a little bit problematic. Top five stories of the day from Newcastle Casino next.